Our reading for today is the 12th chapter of Matthew. Um, and there are several noteworthy things. I mean, there's some, there's a good bit here. And so uh, we're going to have to just kind of pack it in today. Talking about the Sabbath and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Many people always have a question about the unpardonable sin. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those things. And so just... Uh, Buckle up and let's go. So let's. the first thing I want to think about from this chapter is the purpose of the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath, most every Christian knows, is intended to be a day of rest. Uh, it's the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Uh, on that day, the Israelites were to do no work of any kind. God created the world in six days, resting on the seventh, and the Israelites were to follow that pattern. For a long time, and still in many places today, Christian view, Christians view Sunday as the Christian Sabbath and transfer the same restrictions on activity on that day. Um, thus, in the eyes of many, it's a sin to cut your grass or wash your car on Sunday. Um, and there is, there is some uniqueness to, there ought to be some uniqueness to uh, Sunday over against the other days of the week. There is a, a principle of one day in every seven from the very beginning of the Bible. Um, but Jesus here in this chapter is indicating to us that the Sabbath rest commandment in the Old Testament was always pointing to him in the first place. Um, did, did, didn't Jesus just say a few verses earlier in the last chapter, come to me all who labor and heavy laden and you'll find rest for your souls? Matthew eleven twenty eight. So in verses 9 to 14, Jesus deliberately does something that the Pharisees felt was forbidden to do on the Sabbath. And he healed a man. To them, that was work, and that was forbidden on the Sabbath. But Jesus told them that he is Lord of the Sabbath, verse 8, meaning that the Sabbath is about him and about the rest that he alone can give. So we as Christians are no longer under the law forbidden to do any kind of work on Sunday, but we're to see that the, the Old Testament Sabbath was a foreshadow of the rest that will be ours for eternity through Jesus. That's going to be a huge theme in the book of Hebrews, particularly in chapters 3 and 4. So we look forward to thinking about that further. But let's get to the unpardonable sin. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> in verses 22... Through 32, Jesus talks about what some refer to as the unpardonable sin, otherwise known as, known here as, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Well, what is that? And I think to understand it, you need the background given in verses 15 through 21. If you're looking at your Bible, you can see from the way those are structured, he's quoting an Old Testament passage, and in, in Matthew 15 to 21, he's quoting Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 3. And he's quoting that as a prophecy that was fulfilled in Jesus. And in that passage that Matthew quotes, Isaiah prophesied God the Father saying of the coming Messiah, I will put my spirit on him, verse 18. So Jesus was the spirit-anointed Messiah. So then, when in verse 24... The Pharisees deny the spirit-anointed ministry of Jesus and instead attribute his work to the work of demons. 
Jesus accuses them of blasphemy against the Spirit. Verse 31. They are blaspheming the ministry of the Spirit-anointed Messiah. I mean, to be sure, this is a very difficult passage that, and many have offered interpretations to it. I agree with, uh, with one commentator who said probably blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is nothing more or less than the unrelenting rejection of his advances, of Jesus' advances. Thus, uh, Jesus' teaching, par- uh, ter- teaching here parallels um, Acts 4.12, that there is no one else in all the cosmos who can provide salvation if by- somebody rejects the Spirit of God in Jesus. So somebody may ask, and some people have really worried themselves sick over, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Well, put your hope in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, Trust in his spirit-anointed work for your salvation, and you can rest assured that you have not committed the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is going to your grave unrepentant after a lifetime of rejecting Jesus. Those who commit the unpardonable sin don't care that they have committed the unpardonable sin. They don't even believe that it is a sin because they just don't believe. All right, here's another truth to take away from this chapter. You are what you do. You are what you do. Uh, In verses 33 through 37, a tree known by its fruit, he makes the common point, Jesus does, that that your works and actions reveal who you really are. John the Baptist, remember, back in chapter 3, told the people to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus assumes that his people will produce good works, whereby People will see them and give glory to God. That was from the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 6, remember Jesus gave us instructions about practicing your righteousness before men. In Matthew 7, Jesus said that a person could identify a false teacher and a believer by their fruits and said that a true believer is not just one who says so, but also does the will of God, Matthew seven twenty one. So again here, Jesus notes the valuable and irrefutable testimony our actions give regarding the state of our hearts. He says in Matthew twelve thirty four, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The regularity of this theme in the Bible should be an alarm in your mind. When parents instruct their children, um, the things that are most important are the things the parents tell them over and over again repeatedly. So that's just what it's going on here. Jesus says, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. And by this he means our works will either justify the genuineness of our profession of faith, or they won't. You are what you do. So Jesus takes at his word um, when he said, I, I mean to say take Jesus at his word when he said if you, that if you will stay close to him and in his word, John 15, 5, you'll bear much fruit. We're saved on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. But the, the, the genuineness of our faith in Jesus is proven by our actions. Those are two things to hold together very closely. In this chapter also, there was what is called the sign of Jonah. Jesus talks about something greater than Jonah and greater than Solomon. That's in verses 38 through 42. Um, Jesus prophesied his own death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, He condemned the people because they were continually asking for a sign 
and for a miracle to confirm what he was saying. Jesus said the only sign he would give them was his resurrection from the dead, basically. Verse 40. And furthermore, he condemns them because they would not believe his preaching to them. He told them that evil Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. And he noted that the queen of Sheba came to hear the wisdom of Solomon declared. Jesus is the one about, about whom both Jonah and Solomon spoke. If previous generations listened to them, why would they not listen to the real thing when he was standing right in front of them? And it goes back to what Jesus said in the last chapter. Unless the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to open them and make us hear the truth, we, we simply will not accept the truth of the gospel. And finally, again, we're going to talk about greater accountability. We return again in verses 43 to 45 to a theme that we introduced in the last chapter. In chapter 11, remember, Jesus condemned the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida because they refused to hear, I mean, excuse me, re refused to repent uh, of their sins even after the, the revel all the revelation that Jesus had given to them. Jesus declared that their judgment would be worse because of the amount of knowledge that they had been given. Well, Jesus makes the same point here in chapter 12, although in a more unusual kind of way. In verses 43 to 45, he gives this cryptic de description of unclean spirits in, quote-unquote, waterless places and so forth and so on. And I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that's really hard to understand. <laughs> Jesus is... Though making the same point he was making in the last chapter. If this evil generation, quote unquote, continued to reject Jesus, even after witnessing his authority over demons, their condition will be, quote unquote, worse than if they had never seen him. And this truth so applies to us. Every Sunday we listen to us that we listen to a sermon and do not apply its truth. Every day that we read our Bibles and do not apply its truth, meditate on its truth. It is a day for which we will be held more sternly accountable. If it's a matter of hearing the truth and never believing, that is something uh, for which you will be held everlastingly accountable. The bottom line is this. Listen carefully to God's word every chance you get and prayerfully ask the Lord to help you respond to it as he would have you. And start that today with your reading of Matthew 12. Ask the Lord to help you understand its truth and apply it to your life today.